Welcome back. As we react to week number five in the NFL, I'm going to do the old format where I have the scores around me and the standings on the bottom. So if you like this format better, let me know, or I could go back to doing the highlights, whatever the hell you guys want. But let's, let's try this for this week. So we'll run through every game, talk about the observations of what I saw and who the real contenders are and who's really bad, like my New York Giants. So anyway, hope you guys enjoy the video. And let's get into it. Thursday night was actually not that bad of a game. It gave us the Chicago Bears, who were winless at the time, against the Commanders, who were 2-2. Two and two. And the Chicago Bears had gone almost an entire year without winning a game. And they were certainly due. And this was known as the Justin Fields and DJ Moore game. And if you faced that stack in fantasy football, I'm sorry, you probably lost on Thursday. If you somehow came back and won, I mean, I don't know how you did it. But um, Justin Fields, back-to-back -back four touchdown games, passing-wise. So that's impressive. They've definitely made more of an emphasis on making him a pocket passer this year. And it was pretty ugly the first few weeks, but... Maybe he's starting to get the hang of this offense, and maybe things will start to work out now. Um, I did like Fields a lot coming into this year. I've been kind of turned off by him lately, but, you know, if he plays like this, you can work with that. His completion percentage was not that great, 15 of 29, so just under, like, or just over 50%. As for DJ Moore, I mean, this was his real breakout game with his new team. Eight catches for 230 yards and three touchdowns. He also scored the first two touchdowns of the game. And there was a play in this game where I thought he had another touchdown, but the ref claimed he stepped out of bounds. I'm not even sure about it. I saw some replays, and you still can't even tell. So we'll trust the refs, I guess. But um, the Commanders made a late half, you know, second-half comeback. They scored 11 unanswered in the third quarter. But eventually the Bears pulled away. There was a play with... You know, about five minutes to go, DJ Moore caught a pass and the corner bit on it, and he took it down the sideline for like a 56-yard uh, touchdown. So the Bears get their first win. Ironically, it's the week they send Chase Claypool away. Could it be a coincidence? I don't know. I mean, it's funny because they traded for Claypool last year. Claypool never won a game as a Chicago Bear. Like, they started out the season, the Bears, like, 3-5. and five. They traded for Claypool. They did not win with him the rest of the year. They get the first pick. Claypool plays the first, you know, four weeks this year. They don't win. And then the one week he leaves, the Bears win. What a coincidence. But, yeah, um, for the Commanders, I mean, not the best showing. Sam Howell had a good day statistically, but it wasn't as pretty when you watched it. He had 51 pass attempts for 388 yards. The Bears defense got after him, had five sacks in this game. So good job by the Bears defense to finally step up. And unfortunately, Khalil Herbert got hurt in this game. The running back, he might be out for a few weeks, so we'll see what happens there. But hey, shout out to the Bears getting their first win of 2023. First Sunday game is the morning game because they played in London once again. Back-to-back -back weeks, the Jaguars play in London. I feel like we don't see that very often. I could be wrong, but I don't remember a team playing back-to-back -back weeks in London. Usually they'll play in London and have their bye week right after, but... That's not how it worked here, but the Bills were technically the home team, but they had no home field advantage because for some reason, the Bills did not fly out until Friday. So they had like jet lag. They were not used to it. It seemed like the Jaguars were way more up for this game. I mean, Josh Allen showed up. He played well, had 359 yards and two touchdowns, and, and Stephon Diggs had a big game. He had eight catches, 121 yards and a touchdown, but... The biggest storyline is the Bills' defense continues to take massive hits. Daquan Jones is out for a bit, and you have Matt Milano, you know, one of their best linebackers, probably the best linebacker on that team. He's out for a while, too. He had, like, a fractured leg, and they're going to see how bad it is, so he'll be out for a while. 
could be the rest of the year. Maybe he's back in time for the playoffs. That's a wait and see, but definitely not good news for the Bills, and they fall to 3-2 and two now. The Jaguars improved to 3-2. and two. They've had some ugly offensive showings at some point. They had like that game against the Chiefs at home where they had no touchdowns. But the last couple weeks, they're picking things up here. Trevor Lawrence did have a couple fumbles lost in this game. But aside from that, he did play well, made some big throws and some tight windows. Calvin Ridley got involved. Zay Jones came back and scored a touchdown. I think he got hurt once again, but everyone got involved. And even the running back, Travis Etienne, had a big game. Etienne had 26 carries for 136 yards and two touchdowns. He was the one who pretty much put the final nail in the coffin here with his 35-yard touchdown run on a second and eight late in the fourth quarter. The Bills came back with some garbage time, got a touchdown, but their onside kick went out of bounds, and that was all she wrote. So a good win by the Jaguars. They've won back-to-back games here after starting out the season uh, one and two. So it was a bit scary when they lost by 20 to the Texans, but they seem like they're back in rhythm. They're back in first place now, so that's good to see for them. As for the Bills, I would not stress too much. I mean, yeah, you're still in second place. The Dolphins look good, but based on how last week went when they played the Dolphins, I wouldn't be that concerned, but, you know, it's going to be a battle the rest of the year, so we'll see who wins the East, but, yeah, the Bills are still one of the better teams in the league. The problem is a lot of their defense is very injured, so we'll see how that goes. Luckily for the Bills, they get to play the Giants and the Patriots in back-to-back weeks. And they probably have the most inept offenses in football right now. So the banged up Bills defense gets a gift by playing offenses that can't score. For the one o'clock games, we start with the Texans at the Falcons. This was a close spread. I think it was Falcons minus two at kickoff, uh, minus two and a half, actually. That's what it closed at. Um, I got the Falcons at minus one and a half, thank God. And they actually won by two points. So I'll take that from a betting standpoint. But this game was set up for Desmond Ritter, the man who has never lost a home game yet as an Atlanta Falcon. They gave Ritter the ball down by one, I think it was. What was the score? Yeah, 19-18, down by one. Desmond Ritter started on his own 35-yard line, or 25-yard line, sorry. So touchback, and he made some big throws. I mean, he made that one throw to Drake London down the sideline for a 23-yard gain. And that set them up for, you know, field goal range. They basically took a knee, I believe it was. They gave it to Young Way Koo. 19-21 score. Young Way Koo knocks it through. The Falcons win as time expires. That all works out perfectly. So, you know, the Falcons, they're not the most fun team to watch. It's not pretty, but they do get it done here. I really can't say anything that bad about that. I feel like the Falcons defense has been kind of good this year for the most part. It has not been as bad as I thought it would be. Um, but they improved to 3-2. and two. I mean, as I said, it's not pretty, but, you know, that's what Arthur Smith kind of does. He drags out these games, and the Falcons were able to score two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and make this comeback. I mean, Desmond Ritter from... A statistical standpoint, played very well. Um, 28 of 37, 329 yards, one touchdown, no turnovers. So that's a great game for the second-year quarterback. As for the rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, he was 20 of 35, 249, one touchdown, no turnovers. He still has no interceptions yet, so that's you know something to keep an eye on. I forget if he broke the record or not, but I know Dak Prescott had the record for most passes to start a career without an interception. I believe that was 2016. But the thing is, Dak had such a better supporting cast as compared to Stroud. Like, we know Stroud has a bunch of offensive linemen hurt. His skill position guys are not phenomenal. I mean, Pierce is a pretty good running back, and Nico's a good wide receiver, but 
it's not like this is Des Bryant and Ezekiel Elliott. Like, it's a much different situation. So um, Dak had a better situation, but C.J. Stroud so far has impressed. And it's unfortunate they lost this game. This is when they probably let get away from them, and they're probably thinking, how the hell did we lose to Desmond Ritter on a game-winning drive? But it is what it is. Got to give those guys credit. Um, I expected a much better game from Bijan Robinson from a um, – you know, rushing standpoint, but it wasn't all that great. Bijan had 14 carries for 46 yards. He was bottled up, did lose a fumble too, so that was unfortunate. But, uh, you know, Stroud keeps it going. The Falcons keep it going. So, you know, I don't have very high expectations for these teams. I mean, the Falcons might make the playoffs. I did pick them to make the playoffs before the year started. The Falcons have some winnable games coming up. They actually don't play an elite team for a while here. So that was one of the reasons I was high on them or kind of high on them because their schedule was pretty easy. They play the Commanders. The Falcons are home in that game. They're at Tampa, then at Tennessee, home versus the Vikings, at the Cardinals, home versus the Saints, at the Jets, home versus the Buccaneers, at the Panthers, home versus the Colts, at the Bears, and then at the Saints to close out the year. So, I mean, they really don't play an elite team the rest of the year. So the Falcons are going to be in like these toss-up matchups the rest of the year. Um, right now, they're two-and-a-half-point favorites against Washington next week, so we'll see how that plays out. But as for Houston, it is a tough loss once again. Right now, they're one-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Saints next week, so I'm not that high on the Saints. I know they had a big win this week, but I'll, I'll probably pick the Texans to win that game. But they, they still look all right, so I'm not that concerned about that team just yet. Next, the Carolina Panthers, who were, I believe, the last winless team remaining. They're uh, now 0-5. They were at the Detroit Lions, who are now 4-1. The Lions took this one 42-24. to and it probably should have been worse because they had a last-second touchdown, I believe. It was a, uh, well, there was two minutes left. They had a touchdown to Adam Thielen. So if he was on your fantasy team, good for you. But uh, the Lions got out to a quick lead. I think it was 28-10 at halftime. This was a weird game because I expected David Montgomery to have a monster game. And he did for the most part, but it wasn't as monstrous as I thought it would be. He still had 19 carries, 109 yards, 5.7 a carry and a touchdown. But even that was a bit underwhelming. I really thought it'd be like 150 yards and multiple touchdowns. But Jared Goff continues to just play really well at home. Like he is such a good home quarterback. He plays so well in the dome. Not the best road quarterback, but when you get... A Jared Goff-led team in Detroit, it has gone pretty well for them. Their offense is completely different. In this game, the Lions did not have arguably their top two weapons in Jameer Gibbs, their first-round running back, and Amon Ross St. Brown, their top wide receiver. But Josh Reynolds had 76 yards and a touchdown. Sam Laporta, the rookie tight end, had two touchdowns in this game. One of those plays was like a cool, like, double reverse and Laporta leaked out and he was wide open for like a 30 yard touchdown so they found a way to get it done and Jared Goff also had a rushing touchdown a quarterback sneak Teddy Bridgewater came in at the end took a couple kneels and that was it so for Carolina I mean I don't know when they're gonna get their first win I don't love what I see from that team Bryce Young is definitely adjusting to the NFL. I mean, his offensive line is not ideal either, of course, but um, it might take some time. You know, that's kind of the unfortunate part about it. Doesn't have great receivers either. Um, right now, they are 13.5-point underdogs at the Dolphins next week, so the Dolphins are probably going to just eat them alive, the Panthers, so that's a shame. But uh, they play the Texans in Week 8, so, you know, the first two uh, quarterbacks take and play each other. Um, the week after that in week number eight. So that'll be interesting. But 
As for Detroit, I mean, they're in a good spot right now. They are in first place in that division. We're going to see what happens with the Packers tonight as they play the Raiders. I do not know what's going to happen yet. It's 7 o'clock Eastern time for me. But um, right now, the, the Lions are definitely in the driver's seat. They should win this division. Um, they were hot in the second half last year. They got started a bit too late. But now it's like, hey, they started out well. They lost that one game to Seattle in week two at home. But aside from that, they're pretty much beating the crap out of teams. They beat... The uh, Packers by two touchdowns. They beat the Falcons by two touchdowns. They just won this game by 18 points. They did barely get by the Chiefs in week one, but hey, any win in Arrowhead's impressive against Pat Mahomes, so they'll take it. But the Lions are in a good spot right now. We had an AFC South matchup between the Titans and the Colts. This was a game I did not know which way to go or which way to bet, and I do believe I ended up taking the Titans, which was wrong. I probably should have just stuck with my gut there. But the Titans closed as two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Um, it was unfortunate because Anthony Richardson, the fourth overall pick in the draft, he went down early in this game. He has an AC joint sprain, I believe it is, and he'll be out for multiple weeks. Um I assume he'll be out until after their bye. I believe the Colts have... They have a bye in Week 11. And they actually have a 9-30 game in Week 10. So I'm assuming that's London or something. I don't know. But there's one, two, three, four, five games until their bye. I'm going to assume that Richardson doesn't play until the Tampa Bay game in Week 12. I'm not a doctor, but I'm just making an assumption here. I'm assuming they want to be safe with their investment. They took fourth overall once again. But it's a shame. I love watching Anthony Richardson. He's just one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch, and he's been hurt now twice. And it was a play where he was just running to the right, and a couple guys fell on him, and he fell on his shoulder, and all that weight was on him, and like that was just unfortunate. But... Got to learn to slide, I guess. He's got to protect himself much better. But anyway, Gardner Minshew came in, and I believe he looked fine for the most part. Minshew in this game, he was 11 for 14, 155 yards. I mean, that's solid. The big storyline was Zach Moss. This guy's came out of nowhere. He was a former Buffalo Bill, like a third or fourth round pick. He was traded there last year in the Naheem Hines trade. He's been out for the season, unfortunately. But Zach Moss has been just a diamond in the rough type finding for this team. 23 carries, 165 yards, 7.2 a carry, and two touchdowns. And best of all... His backup, well, not his backup, technically the starting running back for the Colts, finally got his money. He, um, Jonathan Taylor got like a three-year, I think it was like $48 million deal. So a pretty weird holdout where for once the running back actually gets rewarded for holding out. I feel like most times when a running back holds out, it does not end too well. But for Jonathan Taylor, he actually came back, signed the extension, and he played in this game, had six carries for 18 yards. But it's just funny how, like, the backup running back, Zach Moss, who's probably making, like, less than, like, $2 million per, uh, for this year, is just severely outplaying Jonathan Taylor. Now, it's his first game of the year. I'm not going to be too hard on the guy. But you're getting 7.2 yards per carry from this guy, Zach Moss, who's paid nothing, and you still feel compelled to pay Jonathan Taylor. I just don't get it. If you were going to hold out the first four weeks, why do you cave now and pay the guy? I, I just don't get it. Like, you now have evidence that, hey, we have this cheap running back, Zach Moss. We can just ride him the rest of the year. But they still pay Jonathan Taylor? Like, that just doesn't make sense. But that's the Colts for you, I guess. Um, as for Tennessee, I mean, their offense is not too pretty. Um, the rushing attack was not great for them. It 
usually relies on um, Derrick Henry to get things going, but he could not. 13 carries for 43 yards, so that's under 3.5 per carry. So they couldn't get him going. DeAndre Hopkins actually played well. Hopkins had 8 catches, 140 yards, so it was like his first big breakout game as a Titan. Hasn't been the best fit so far, and I think Hopkins has He's barely missed a couple touchdowns. He had that one off his fingertips last week. He missed one in this game as well. So he might get there soon. Maybe a good buy low type of guy. I wouldn't personally. I don't love the fit in Tennessee, but, you know, you do you. But anyway, um, this was a big game for the divisional standings. So now in the AFC South, the Colts are in second place, tied at 3-2 and two with the Jaguars. And now the Titans fall to last place at 2-3. and three. So a bit of a surprise there. I was not too high on Tennessee personally, but I did think for sure they'd be the second team in this division, which they could be. I mean, all these teams are basically bunched up in one game back of each other. But, um, you know, not too encouraging from Tennessee so far. The Colts have been a good surprise, definitely. I feel like even with Gardner Minshew, they're competent. And Gardner Minshew gets a revenge game next week at Jacksonville, the team that drafted him. I think he was like, what, a a six-round pick or something, Minshew? Had a good amount of starts for them, so he'll get a revenge spot there next week against Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. That'll be interesting, but yeah, the Colts are off to a good start so far. The New York Giants were at the Miami Dolphins. I'm not going to spend too much time on this game because I talked about this game for a half hour yesterday. But a disappointing showing for the Giants. Daniel Jones hurts his neck. Um, Positive news today. He should be fine. They're saying they're optimistic for him playing next week. It's hard to trust the Giants, though, because they made it sound like Saquon would be back a while ago. They made it sound like Andrew Thomas would be back a while ago. Neither has played yet. So do I trust the Giants with that? Not necessarily. So we'll see if Tyrod Taylor gets a revenge game playing Buffalo next week. But... The Miami Dolphins, they looked great in this game offensively. Not so much Tua. Tua had two interceptions, and he threw a pick six for 102 yards, so that was rough. But I guess the story of this game is Devon Achan. 151 rushing yards on 11 carries, 13.7 per carry, and a touchdown. Unfortunately, he hurt his knee in this game, and we'll see how serious this is. It came out like around two o'clock or so today so i don't know what the severity is but we'll find out hopefully he's fine because he's very fun to watch raheem Mostert played well 6.5 a carry the giants run defense was non-existent tyree kill at 181 yards and a touchdown in this game so he was doing his thing but uh yeah it just felt like a very good offense versus a very bad defense to put it simply the giants defense could not compete with these guys and It is what it is. Darren Waller got kind of involved, so that was good. Um, The Giants' offensive line is still putrid, and I don't know who their quarterback's going to be next week, but I guess we'll find out. The New Orleans Saints were at the Patriots, and uh, yeah, the Patriots suck. I mean, I, I have not been able to say that for a long time. Ever since I've been watching football, the Patriots have been at least competent. But we're at this point with them now where it's like, They really suck. I mean, they've scored three points in the past two games. Mac Jones is not it. I I, I get the argument that his receivers don't get separation and all that. I I get it. But someone made a tweet today, and it's so true, that Tom Brady had a, you know, lacrosse player as his wide receiver, too. He had, you know, freaking Danny Amendola, um, the former quarterback at Kent State, Julian Edelman. Like, Tom Brady did not have the best receivers. Let's be honest. Now, I'm not comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady. But if he can win Super Bowls with that, 
then why the hell can't Mac Jones look competent with this? I I, I don't get it. But I understand it. I, I get it. You know, Kendrick Bourne, um, Demario Douglas, Devontae Parker, Gasecki, Juju is washed up. It's not the best receiving core. But I feel like the Mac Jones thing is over. They're still remaining. Like, he's still the starter, apparently. I mean, Bailey Zappi's not much better behind him. But Mac Jones had 110 yards no touchdowns, obviously. Two interceptions. He was 12 of 22. He threw a pick six to Tyrone Matthew, who I have not heard of in a while, but he had a pick six in this game. And it was ugly. I mean, Mac Jones was being taken down by, I think, Carl Granderson, and he just tried to flip it to uh, Hunter Henry. And Tyrone Matthew was just there to catch it and just ran it in, like just no problem. So Mac Jones has made a lot of dumb deci- decisions lately. And he does not seem like the guy. And I do have a video coming out probably sometime this week about Bill Belichick and how it just ain't working no more. Like, I feel like the whole coaching thing is just passing him by. The game is changing. He's been a terrible GM. And it feels like this is kind of just it for the Patriots. Like, it feels like it's over. So it's a shame because, you know, I grew up once again just watching the Patriots dominate year in and year out, except for those two Super Bowls I happened to witness, which was very good. But you know, it just feels like now it's just, it's over. Like there, there's no coming back from that. So we'll see if uh, Belichick hangs around. He wants to probably beat the all-time coaching wins record, which I believe he's still like 29 wins away from that. So if he's coaching like mediocre Patriots teams, that might take another like four or five years to, to get. And Bill Belichick is, I think, 71 years old. So we'll see how long it sticks around for. But once again, I will make a video about this coming up. Way more in-depth look. Derek Carr was his usual mediocre self. Kamara had a nice game. Uh, Kendra Miller uh, showed some nice flashes, the rookie running back. Uh, Olave had a touchdown. He almost had another one. He basically had a touchdown, and I think it fell out at the end. Like, he had it. He rolled over. The ball came out. They He did not complete the process, that whole thing. So that was unfortunate. But, uh... Yeah, a dominant win. The uh, Saints win this one 34-0. I'm still not that sold on New Orleans, but what this game taught me is that the Patriots are indeed that bad. Next is the Ravens at the Steelers, and this probably is the ugliest game of the entire week. It does not get much worse than this. I mean, this was like... I feel like when these two teams play each other, it's like the most grimy football you can ever watch. It was 10-3 Ravens entering the fourth quarter, and... The offense for the Steelers could get nothing going. I'm out here thinking to myself, like, holy crap, Kenny Pickett is really that bad. And, like, he made that one throw in a key situation to George Pickens for a touchdown. But Kenny Pickett still looks awful. Like, I I cannot sugarcoat that. I really thought coming into this year that Pickett was going to take a step forward in my bold prediction video, which it's a bold prediction, so don't don't be too hard on me, but I had Kenny Pickett as like a dark horse MVP candidate, and the guy stinks. I mean, they're talking about benching him for Mitch Trubisky. I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of out on, on Kenny Pickett, unfortunately. He just looks awful. They got it done, but it was because of the defense. They got a safety in this game as well, the defense, so... You know, just a a crappy game for the Steelers offense. But Lamar Jackson and this Ravens offense, they're also pretty interesting because they must have had like three touchdowns that were drops. There was one that went through Mark Andrews' hands. There was a bad drop by Nelson Aguilar. Some things never change. Went right through his hands. A great deep ball by Lamar Jackson. And that went for nothing. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, this Ravens offense is weird. They're trying to be like this air raid passing offense, and it's just like, just use Lamar's legs. Like that's that's the best part about Lamar. He's a fine passer, but like, come on, like you're not even using him to his full abilities. Lamar Jackson only ran for 45 yards, only six rushing attempts. I mean, just not enough. Like I want Lamar having like at least 60 rushing yards per game. But yeah, his receivers let him down in this game, and. Odell came back and had two catches for 13 yards. I think he got hurt again, so poor Odell. Um, Rashad Bateman, he was the guy who dropped the other touchdown. Rashad Bateman had a touchdown right in his chest. He dropped that too. So three touchdowns that were dropped by the receivers of the Ravens. It was ugly. Then you had the big throw to um, George Pickens in the fourth quarter, and they got it done. So I still don't think the Steelers are that good. I have my concerns. But the Steelers right now are in first place technically. And the Ravens are in second place with the same record at 3-2. and two. The Bengals were at the Cardinals. And this will probably be known as the game where, you know, Joe Burrow finally got on track. And Jamar Chase had his biggest game of the year. Biggest game of his career probably. I mean, Jamar Chase set the record in Bengals franchise history for most receptions in a game. He had 15 catches. 15. And this was a game without T. Higgins, so he stepped up. Chase had 15 receptions for 192 yards and three touchdowns. A crazy game for him. Joe Burrow had 317 yards, three touchdowns, one INT. I think the INT was the receiver stopped running or something. I don't think it was Burrow's fault. I could be wrong, but I, I feel like I saw that. Speaking of INTs, Joshua Dobbs came back down to earth. He was 15 of 32. Yikes. 166 passing yards. 5.2 yards per attempt, two touchdowns to two interceptions. He was sacked three times. So, you know, I'm not going to say the luck has ran out. I think Joshua Dobbs is still, like, kind of good. But this was a game where he looked his worst by far. So that was kind of rough to see, unfortunately. But, you know, this Cardinals team continues to fight, but they just aren't good enough yet roster-wise. They'll probably get there at some point, but this is not the year, of course. The time of possession was crazy in this game, too. The Bengals had the ball for 38 minutes compared to the 21 minutes for the uh, Cardinals. So, just a rough game for Arizona. It, it is what it is. The Bengals had to get on track at some point. They're 2-3 and three now. Cardinals fall to 1-4, and four, so not much of a surprise. I picked Arizona to cover the spread. It was like, what was it again? I forget what it was now. It was like 4.5, 5.5, something like that. 3.5, uh, wow, okay. 3.5 for Arizona as underdogs, but they did not cover, unfortunately. So the Bengals get on track, and we'll see if that can stick. They play the Seahawks next week coming off a bye. Next, we have the Eagles at the Rams. The Eagles covered in this one. They won this one 23-14. This game probably should have been closer than it was. I feel like Stafford had a decent game. He did miss a throw to 2-2 Atwell, which would have been like a 60-yard touchdown. It would have actually given the Rams a 21-20 lead, but he just overshot it. So if he hits that throw, it's probably a different game. But the Eagles, they continue to play pretty well in the fourth quarter. A lot of field goals in this one they settled for, but... It worked out. I mean, the Eagles do just enough these days. They're not dominant so far, but, like, they're still winning these games. Them and the 49ers remain undefeated. I do believe those two teams play each other at some point. That's how, this is, whoa, whoa, this is crazy. So, the Eagles have a four-week stretch from weeks 9 
to 13 or even 9 to 14. Wow, this schedule is crazy. So the Eagles play the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Niners, and the Cowboys in a span of five weeks. And even at Seattle the week after that, that's like five or six games of like, sheesh, like that is a rough schedule. So I highly doubt they remain undefeated for a long time because that schedule is just, I don't know how you do it. But um, the Eagles do play the Dolphins in a couple weeks. That'll be fun to watch. But I mean, yeah, their offense was moving the ball between the 20s, but I feel like their red zone efficiency was not that great. I mentioned they settled for a lot of field goals. They won the time of possession by a lot. So the Rams, I mean, they they tried to have a good a better offense with uh with Cooper Cup and he came back Cooper Cup and had like five catches for 50 yards on the first drive. Like it was like it was like he never missed anything. Like that's him and Stafford are just so in sync. But even Puka Nakua still had a touchdown, so he's still going. It seems like those guys can coexist, so that's good to see. But uh yeah, I feel like the Rams, they probably could have kept this game closer, but you know, after the Jalen Hurts one-yard touchdown, which they must have had like five of those plays where um, they had the tush-push, or what's it called? It's like the Philly brotherly shove. That's it. I knew it was some kind of like Philly pun. But yeah, the brotherly shove, that probably happened like five times in this game. And it annoys me because on one of those, there was a clear false start by I think Landon Dickerson it was, and like they just don't call him. This happened last week too where there was a clear false start in the overtime against Washington, they don't get called for it. I'm not trying to be like a salty Giants fan. I, I don't care about that. But like, I don't know. We'll talk about the refs later in that Chiefs game. That was crazy too. But I mean, the Rams, I mean, they're, they're competitive right now. They just got to keep Stafford healthy and like maybe they find a way to make the playoffs. They get the uh, Cardinals and the Steelers back to back. So that could be two very winnable games there for the uh, for the Rams. The Jets were at the Broncos and there was some drama in this game of course because of the uh the preseason quotes about, you know, Sean Payton talking about Nathaniel Hackett who was the coach of the Broncos last year and Sean Payton kind of called him out. And then Aaron Rodgers came out and said, "Hey, keep my coach's name out your mouth." And you know, it would have been much better if Rodgers played in this game, of course, for the for the drama. But still, the uh, Nathaniel Hackett and the Jets, they get their revenge, I guess. They win this one 31-21. A big late fourth quarter touchdown by Quincy Williams. The Jets linebacker returned a Russell Wilson fumble. Actually, no, it was Bryce Hall who ran the fumble back. But Quincy Williams forced the fumble. And that gave the Jets a late 31-21 lead. That was the final score. This game went back and forth for a bit. Brees Hall had a long 72-yard touchdown. The Jets came out and said last week that they are taking all the restrictions off of Brees Hall coming off the ACL. He's a full go. He looks so much better than Dalvin Cook, who looks pretty washed at this point, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, so Brees Hall, I mean, I hope you bought low on him in the fantasy because that man's going to be a probably top 10 running back the rest of the year. Um, the Broncos offense, I mean... I don't know what to say about this team anymore. Like, I feel like they have enough personnel to make it work. Um, Cortland Sutton had one catch in this game, so they didn't didn't even use him right. Um, Jaleel McLaughlin, the running back who came out of nowhere, actually played well. Nine carries, 68 yards. He did have a receiving touchdown as well on a crazy one-handed grab. It was like a screen pass where Russell kind of threw behind him. He made a nice one-handed grab and ran the screen in for a touchdown. So... Yeah, I mean, Jaleel McLaughlin has some upside. He's a good player, it seems like. He might be like the Alvin Kamara of this new Sean Payton offense in Denver. We'll see if he can fill those type of shoes. But, 
I don't know. I, mean, I just like the Broncos should be better once again. I just don't get it. I feel like Russell Wilson's numbers have not been that bad. His, you know, he threw for just under 200 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked four times. I mean, him and Zach Wilson had pretty similar stat lines. Zach did throw an interception, so that's kind of the Zach Wilson experience. But I feel like Zach wasn't that bad. Of course, the Brees Hall touchdown put them over the edge. And Brees on the day had 22 carries for 177 yards, one touchdown. That's eight yards per carry, so pretty good, pretty good. Um, Receiving-wise, the Jets didn't do too much. Tyler Conklin had a couple nice catches. He had a really nice juke move on one of the linebackers for the Broncos. It was a really good route. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, the Broncos are just disappointing. There's nothing much, much else to say about this team. They're disappointing, and... It seems like there'll be sellers at the deadline, and we'll see who leaves that team. It could be Sutton. It could be Judy. Um, trying to think who else they can sell on that team. Um, I don't know. But, the you know, people have talked about the possibility of trading Pat Sertan. That makes no sense to me. But if a team can get him, then good for that team. But now the Broncos fall to 1-4. and four. The Jets are 2-3. and three. They keep their playoff hopes alive for now but the broncos seem like they're pretty much done the chiefs were at the vikings and this was a rough one if you're a vikings fan not only did justin jefferson leave early with a hamstring injury which is obviously very scary to see but they did get kind of hosed by the refs not gonna lie now on on the whole the chiefs were penalized more than the Vikings. So I can't say this game was fixed, quote-unquote, right? But late in the game, on the biggest call of the game, there was 4 minutes and 54 seconds left. It was a 4th and 12 on Kansas City's 24. Kirk Cousins goes back to pass. He throws up a deep ball for Jordan Addison, a jump ball, basically. There was a pass interference. They threw the flag and everything. It was either that or defensive holding. And they... You know, the refs did a little huddle up and they discussed it. They said that the ball was tipped, which that would negate the pass interference. But when they showed the replay, it was Kirk's arm that got hit, not the ball. So they get hosed on that. They pick up the flag. That doesn't count. And also, Legereus Sneed, a cornerback for the um, for the Chiefs, he took off his helmet to argue the call. Now, if you've watched the NFL for a while, you know that taking off your helmet in the field of play, um, that's like a 15-yard penalty and a first down. They did not even call it. You can see the ref tell the Jerry Sneed, put your helmet back on. Doesn't throw a flag. So uh, Vikings fans were livid. I was actually watching that game with a Vikings fan. He's not the biggest Vikings fan, but he was pissed. I mean, like I'd be mad too. Like That was some clear, like, throw the flag. Like That's a flag. Like Don't warn the guy. You know the rules. Like You can't tell the guy, hey, put your helmet on. I don't want to throw this flag. Like, it, it was so stupid, and they picked up the flag when they shouldn't have. It wasn't a tipped ball. It was his tipped arm. So, you know, the, the Chiefs got the ball back. They got to, like, midfield. They had the punt, and the Vikings got the ball back with one minute to go. No timeouts left. The, the, the Vikings' timeout management was horrible in this game, so I blame them for that, of course. But um, they were going for a, um, a Hail Mary, and Cousins got sacked, and, and that was it. So... The Chiefs win, they cover, they win by 7, 27 to 20. So I kind of feel bad for the Vikings. They that, that one call really changed the game. It was the difference between having the ball on the Chiefs' one-yard line, down by 7 and a chance to tie the game, or turning the ball over on downs. So that was the biggest play in the game, and unfortunately it did not go their way. 
We also saw Travis Kelsey get hurt. He came back and played. The Chiefs do play on Thursday against Denver. We'll see if Kelsey plays. I feel like he'll probably stick it out, but they don't need him to beat the uh, Broncos, so maybe they play it safe. I don't know, but we'll see what happens. As for Minnesota, they are now 1-4. So, you know, teams like Minnesota and the Giants, who very obviously overperformed last year, are now a combined 2-8, and eight, but... Not much of a surprise, I guess. The Cowboys were at the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday Night Football, a highly anticipated matchup that was not that good. It was 42-10 to 10 was the final score. The Cowboys get demolished. The 49ers remain undefeated, and they look like the best team in football by far. I know Philly's undefeated. I know some other teams like the Chiefs. You can't you know discount them, but... Just in terms of dominance in their victories, the Niners are on a different level right now. They look so good. Brock Purdy still has no interceptions. He had four touchdowns in this game. He was 17 of 24, 252 yards, only sacked one time. I mean, you know, compared to Dak Prescott, who looked horrible, 14 of 24, 153 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, and some of those were bad interceptions too. This game did produce some funny memes because... Obviously, Trey Lance, the former Niner, is now the quarterback, backup quarterback for the Cowboys. And they were saying all week how Trey Lance like kind of was going to give the um, Cowboys some inside information about, you know, what the Niners' tendencies are, what their play calls are, and blah, blah, blah. Because he was in the uh, – he was on, was on the Niners back in the preseason. So, like, he probably knows a lot of their plays and whatnot. But based on how this game went, that advice did not matter. I saw – one tweet was funny as hell. It was something like, it was a guy looking like guilty, and the caption was like, you know, Trey Lance telling Dak Prescott the wrong plays just so he looks bad and Trey Lance can take his job or something. Like, it was funny. So, you know, Trey Lance did not get in the game. I don't even think he's active on game days, but Cooper Rush finished out the game. Dak looked terrible. I still think the Cowboys are, like, fine. They'll make the playoffs, and you know, Micah Parsons tried to downplay this and say, oh, we're still in the same category with the Niners. I mean, you can't lose by like this many, by 32 and say, yeah, we're still in the same. Like, nah, you, that that's rough. So, you know, poor Cowboys is what it is. It kind of, you know, lowers their legitimacy legitimacy of being a, um, a Super Bowl contender. But you never know, you know, maybe Purdy gets hurt or something. I don't know, like something could happen. But I have been so impressed with Brock Purdy. I was definitely a guy doubting him coming into the year. He has shut me up so far. He made some big boy throws in this game. Like he was hitting Ayuk in the second level for, you know, some some nice catches and like over linebackers, like some perfect looking throws, throwing with anticipation. Like there were some nice throws by Brock Purdy. So I'll give him credit. Um, even Tony Pollard was bottled up. McCaffrey was only held at 2.7 per carry. So usually when you do that against him, you know, you would think the Cowboys were much better, but they weren't. Um, Jordan Mason came in, had some nice runs. He was 10 carries for 69 yards, so a good job by him. I'm trying to see, did the uh, defense for the uh, for the Niners score? I don't think they did. No. George Kittle did have three touchdowns. I forgot to mention that. And just for shits and giggles at the end, they gave Kyle Juszczyk a touchdown because they were up like 35-10. Sort of like, hey, who wants a touchdown? Let's give it to Kyle Juszczyk. And they just gave it to him. So, um, yeah, just a, a crappy game if you're a Cowboy fan. A real slap in the face and, and bring them back to reality type of game. But as I said, I think Dallas will be fine. They'll be in the playoffs. And, you know, the playoffs are different. So we'll see what happens there. But Dallas is in second place in the East. 
still in a wild card spot. So we'll see what happens there. Anyway, that's going to do it. We have the, uh, the Packers at the Raiders tonight. The Packers are without Aaron Jones, which really screwed me in a fantasy. I don't even know who to start. There's a couple backup running backs I'm deciding between, but I don't know what's going to happen. I think I'll put Patrick Taylor and just hope it works out. I don't need much from that guy. Just, like, give me five points and I'll be content. But anyway, um, that's going to do it for the video. Hope you guys enjoyed. If you like this format more, let me know, or we can go back to the old one. doesn't matter to me. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next time.